Hi, it's Carolina. I'm so excited that you could join us on the City Point Redcliffe podcast. You're just about to hear a message from one of our incredible preaching team, and I know you're going to be encouraged and inspired by what you hear. If it does encourage you, why don't you share it with someone who you know might need to hear it as well? And make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any of the messages that are uploaded every single week. And for now, sit back and enjoy. I hope you get blessed. Well, um, a couple of weeks ago, we launched a new theme, uh, Ripple Effect. And uh, so I want to preach on that today. A couple of weeks ago, I, um, I went to my daughter and son-in-law's house early Saturday morning um, as we're going to set up a, a, a venue for a birthday party for my granddaughter, who's turned three today, but the party was a couple of weeks ago. And uh, as I walked into their front door uh, two Saturdays ago, as I entered in there, my little grandson, one years of age, Miller, comes running down the hallway to give Moose a big giant hug there. And then I walked into the, uh, the living room, and uh, the atmosphere was a little bit tense. <laughs> As you could literally cut the atmosphere with a knife. And I walked over there, and I saw Lenny, my granddaughter, sitting on her dad's lap there. And uh, she was just like, she was not even having a bar of me. And so I went over a little bit closer. And as I got closer, I could see this little stream of tears. And there were like little teardrops still perfectly positioned down her cheek there. And uh, I went a little bit closer and she just didn't want anything. So I went over to Soph and said, oh, Soph, what's taking place? What happened this morning? And she said, oh, well, you know, Lenny was just a little bit, of, just a little bit disobedient. And there's always consequences of disobedience. So if only I'd been there a couple of minutes earlier... Oh, like, I am her biggest cheerleader. I could have been her advocate. I could, have, I could have gone to the Father on her behalf. I could have done all of these things. If only I'd been there just a few minutes earlier, I could have, I could have navigated this situation that she's not now in a place where she has been punished for being disobedient. But you know what I found about disobedience and obedience? It changes atmospheres. <laughs> It changes environments, either positively or negatively. And due to Lenny's disobedience at three years of age, it created a whole different environment and atmosphere for me to walk into. And so the title of my message today is Making the Invisible Visible. Is there is an incredible ripple effect when you and I are in a place of obedience and also an incredible ripple effect when you and I are in a place of disobedience. And I found that obedience makes those things which are invisible in our lives visible to the world around about us. Is that obedience makes our faith visible. <laughs> Is obedience makes our trust visible to the world around about us is obedience makes those things which are invisible so visible and on the flip side obedience also makes those things which are invisible visible is that when we're disobedient you can see a, people can see a lack of faith and trust in our lives uh, this year probably more than any other year and uh, if you've uh, been in church if you've probably heard me a lo- preach a lot out of the sermon on the mount this year it's been you know a couple of those chapters where i've just like immersed myself in this year and so many uh, so much revelation has come uh, this year out of just focusing there a lot of my preachers have been based uh, or the foundation text out of you know Matthew uh, or the book of Luke and the different version there of the sermon on the mount And uh, as Jesus concludes this great sermon, the Sermon of All Sermons, 
He draws a line of the sand as to those who will inherit the kingdom of God and those that will not inherit the kingdom of God. And he does this by doing con two contrasting pairs. Is he talks about two paths. That there is a narrow path and there is a broad path. He says, would you choose a narrow path because it leads to life and the broad path leads to destruction. He talks about two trees. Is that there is a good tree and there is a bad tree. The good tree will produce good fruit and the bad tree will produce bad fruit. Be a good tree. Then he talks about two confessions. Is there can be two people that confess that he is Lord. You know, he, he is God above all. And then Jesus says, don't just be one that would confess me as Lord, is that you would actually do the will of the Father. And then finally, the final contrasting Perry gives uh, here is the, is the two foundations, is that we can either build upon the rock or we can build upon the shifting sands of life. And in Luke 6, as Jesus finished this message in verse 46, he says these words, But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things which I say? Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you whom he is like. He is like building a house, building a life, who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. Is that here in this passage, Jesus gives us the great Christian progression how you and I become great sons and daughters of God. He says these words, whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I'll show you whom he is like. Is it Jesus saying, it, it, I love it when you come to me, but that's not all I'm asking of you. I want you to come to me and I want you to hear my sayings. I want you to grab a hold of the truth of the word of God in your life. But, but that's still not the end of it. I want you to come, I want you to hear, and then I want you to actually go and do, execute the truth of you coming to me. Is it's not enough for you and I just to show up, just to come to Jesus. No, we need to come and learn the truth of the Word of God, and then we must do the Word of God, and that's actually how you and I build our lives, is that obedience is the visible expression of invisible faith. I love that God views our lives not in terms of good and bad, but he views our lives in terms of life and death. Yeah. Everything in the Word of God doesn't come down to being good or bad. It comes down to either choosing life or choosing death. As we look through the Word of God, is that we see from the very beginning is that when humanity was in a place of obedience, is that God's blessing and favor flowed over them as individuals or as a nation of Israel. On the flip side, as soon as they were at a place of disobedience as a nation or as individuals, the blessing in the hand of God was retracted from their lives. The same is true for you and for me. Jesus steps foot on the, on the planet and, he, and his ministry time starts to begin. He says these words. He says, follow me and I will make something of your life. I'll make you fishers of men is he finds himself at a wedding and they run out of wine and Jesus' mother Mary says to the servants, whatever he says for you to do, just go ahead and do it. Is that Paul jumps on the scene and starts declaring, just imitate me because I imitate him. As James says it like this, don't just be hearers of the word, but be doers of the word of God. Is that we have this pattern from the very beginning to the very end that you and I are called to walk in step with God's voice and God's commands. Is that blessing and favor flows out of obedience. Is that obedience makes faith and trust visible to the world around about us.
But I found as soon as you and I mention that word obedience, it causes different reactions. Is it causes kids to go kicking and screaming, <laughs> throwing tantrums. But I've also found if, for you and I as adults, it has a similar impact upon our lives because as soon as the word obedience is mentioned, and society has now conditioned you and I to think, well, that's a loss of control and that's a loss of freedom in my life. But when you look at godly obedience, it is the complete opposite to that. It's not a loss of control. It's not a loss of power. It's a greater dimension of power being given to you and I. It's because godly obedience produces this trust, this love, this action in our lives. And so when I'm talking about obedience, don't shut off, okay? Is there's great blessing in walking in a place of obedience. So don't view it from a negative side of things. As Jesus said it like this in John 14, 15, if you love me, you will obey my commands. Like, whoa, shisha. And so what is godly obedience? I've got some thoughts on the screen here. First thing, it's an active response to the voice and the word of God. It's an aligning of our will to God's will, doing what God has asked us to do. It is when we completely surrender to his authority and base our decisions and actions on his word. And so it's this active response to the voice and to the word of God. So when God speaks, I wonder how you and I respond. I wonder how long it actually takes us to response. Uh, I love that God has created each and every one of us with free will. Is that he asks us to be obedient and to follow his commands, but he never, ever forces you and I to do that, as we have the ability to choose. And in Genesis chapter 2, he gives mankind the choice. He says, of any tree of this whole garden, go ahead and eat. But of that one tree, that one tree, don't consume the fruit of that tree, because if you consume the fruit of that tree, you're going to surely die. I love how God places boundaries around about our lives and then also tells us the consequences of stepping outside of that boundary, is that God loves you and I so much that he would detail to you and I the boundaries and the consequences of stepping over that line. Is that God has put it back onto you and I, you make the choice. I've set before you life and death, and he gives us the answer, therefore choose life. You know, eliminate the death opportunities out of your life, but I have found that obedience is so difficult. We all find it challenging to be obedient. I've got a few thoughts as to why it is so challenging for you and I to be in place of obedience. We can just throw them up there, that'd be great. Maybe they're not even there, that's okay. Number one, that there is a cost associated with obedience. All the way throughout the Word of God, there is a cost. Noah building an ark for all of those years, that, man, that cost him his reputation there. Abraham, it cost him his nation. You know, name dropping into the Jordan River seven times, it cost him his reputation. Pride had to die inside of his life. There is always a cost associated with obedience. But I want to let you know today is the cost or the reward far outweighs the cost of you and I standing in a place of disobedience. 
The second thing I have found as to why obedience is so challenging for us is that we have to let go of every preconceived notion. Is you actually almost have to unlearn what we have learnt. Is we've got to let go of every preconceived notion that when God asks you and I to do something, that our understanding does not get in the way. It's because God will ask you and I on different levels to be obedient, is that there is general commands for all of us. You go through the Word of God, there are so many commands in the Word of God for you and I. They're general, they're applicable to each and every one of us, but there will be different times in our lives where God will come and ask something so specific of you that you're in aisle seven of Coles tomorrow morning, and as that person is passing you, God will say, hey, why don't you just stop and engage in conversation and pray for them? is there's times where something will be so specific for your life and we've got to let go of every preconceived notion that we have. The third reason why we find obedience so challenging is that there is this wrestle inside of us between the spirit and the flesh. Ephesians talks about we're going to put off the old man and put on the new man. Romans chapter 7. As Paul writes, Romans chapter 7 here, he has now been following Jesus for 25 years. Anyone followed Jesus longer than 25 years? Me and myself, like 42 years. Like. And Paul writes Romans chapter 7, after 25 years of following Jesus, and this is what he's found out about him. Maybe it's your story and my story as well. Verse 14, he says this, I know that all God's commands are spiritual, but I'm not. 25 years. <laughs> But this is also your experience. Yes, I am full of myself, after all. I've spent a long time in sin's prison. What I don't understand about myself is that I decide to do one way, but then I act another, doing things I absolutely despise. So if I can't be trusted to figure out what is best for myself and then do it, it becomes obvious that God's command is necessary. But I need something more. For if I know the law but still can't keep it, and if the power of sin within me keeps sabotaging my best intentions, I obviously need help. I realize that I don't have what it takes. I can will it, but I can't do it. I decide to do good, but I don't really do it. I decide not to do bad, but then I do it anyway. That's me. That's me. Like after 42 years, I'm still in that place. After 25 years, the guy who's written most of the New Testament finds himself in this place of this great wrestle that takes place inside of our lives. And it goes on. My decisions, such as they are, don't result in actions. Something has gone wrong deep within me, and it gets the better of me every time. That, that's me. And maybe that's you as well. And if you continue to go on, Romans chapter 7, good news comes is that Paul gives us the answer, is the answer can only be found in a vibrant relationship with Jesus Christ. Mm. But decisions such as they are don't result in actions. Jesus is saying, hey, don't just come to me, don't just hear my sayings. Would you actually execute what I ask you to do? And so the ripple effect of obedience, I see its ripple effect in two dimensions, two ways, is that there's a, there's a, there's a vertical ripple effect that takes place out of our, out of our obedience, is that it creates this dynamic, great, trusting relationship with Almighty God. 
is it has a vertical impact, but then also obedience has this horizontal impact upon those that are in our world, that we engage our world. So for the rest of space, you're gonna break these two things down. The, the vertical impact, the ripple effect of your obedience with your relationship with God is amazing. My first thought is this, is obedience is an act of worship. The, the theme through the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation is that we love God by obeying His voice. It's like one of the central themes of the Word of God. Deuteronomy 30 verse 19 says this, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing, therefore choose life, that both you and your descendants may live. That you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey His voice, and that you may cling to Him, for He is your life and the length of your days. Is that our obedience is an act of worship to God? Is the obedience is a hallmark of our salvation? Is that humanity can see that we are believers because we are obedient to the voice of God, even though we may not understand it, as we find ourselves in this place, is that our obedience is the proof of love that we have for God is that even though you and I have been saved by grace and by the redemptive work on the cross, it's, we, we, it, we outlive that and outwork what Jesus has done in our lives through being, submitting ourselves to the, the commands and the voice of God. John 14, Jesus said these words in verse 23. Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them and he will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. Wow. And so we see that this vertical ripple effect is that obedience is an act of worship. My second thought on this ripple effect is that obedience is a demonstration of your faith and my faith, is that obedience makes the invisible faith visible. James 2 and verse 18 says this, But someone will say, You have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works, and by works faith was made perfect? And by works, faith was made perfect. Now this, this passage made me stop in my tracks a couple of weeks ago when I read this word, is that God just doesn't want you and I to be people of faith, is that we have the opportunity to walk in a place of perfect faith. If we just put that scripture back, it would be great. Is there's a great difference between just having faith and now having faith that is perfect. And so I went and like looked at that verse so many, so many times, is that perfect faith is faith accompanied by actions. Hmm. And faith that's accompanied by actions is now seen as perfect faith, is that there is a new measurement to faith that you and I can have. We, we just don't have this deposit of faith. It's no, the faith of God comes alive in our heart when we step it out in a place of action, a place of obedience, is that now we can measure the faith in our life why are we willing to take that next step? <laughs> are we willing to do what God actually asks you and I to do? Is it, Obedience is the visible expression of an invisible faith. 
would you and I walk in a new level of faith? Is it, would you walk in a faith of just not a confidence of knowing God, but God, you know what? When you ask me to do something, I'm going to execute that. It's faith accompanied by steps of action. My third thought about the ripple effect of obedience in this vertical relationship is obedience is the key that unlocks God's promises. Every promise of God is available to you and I if you and I would put ourselves in a place of obeying the voice of God. Every promise. And there are thousands upon thousands of promises in the Word of God. And every one of them are accessible through a place of obedience. Disobedience will never, ever unlock the promises of God. As I read through this Word even this week, uh, there's so many promises that are available for you and I. When we walk in a place of obedience, let me just give you a couple. Psalm 16 and verse 20, it said, God bless those who obey you. Psalm 7 verse 10, he saves those who obey him. Psalm 33, the Lord watches over those who obey him. Psalm 37, the Lord takes care of those who obey him. 1 John 3, God gives us what we ask for because we obey God's commands. Proverbs 28, always obey the Lord and you will be happy. That's good news. Psalm 34, those who obey him have all they need. Those who obey the Lord lack nothing good. Is that God will always reward obedience. If you need the promises of God to be unlocked over your life, is maybe we just need to start walking in acts of obedience. Where we're not just having faith, but no, we're accomplishing our faith with action. My fourth thought about the ripple effect, the vertical ripple effect of obedience, is that obedience unlocks God's power. Exodus chapter 14. God's speaking to Moses. He says to Moses, Moses, would you lift up your rod? Lift up your stick. Stretch it out of your hand over the sea and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. Verse 21 of the same chapter. And then Moses stretched out his hand. Over the sea and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night. And made the sea into dry land, and the waters were divided. You see, as Moses picked up that rod, that stick, that there's no power in the stick. But there's power in his act of obedience. And what it seems like just a simple command. Moses, just lift up this stick and just hold it out over the water and let me do what you want to do. Is some things that God asks you and I to do, we consider are impossible. But as I've looked at all of the things that God has asked mankind to do, maybe Abraham and Isaac, that, was a, that would be a challenging one for me to do that. But almost like every other act he asks to do, we are able to do it, but there's something resisted inside of us. Is that, you know what, I, just, I may look a little bit foolish if I do this and nothing happens. I've got thousands of people watching me right now. The consequences of that. But obedience will unlock the power of God. I wonder how you and I respond when God asks us to do something. I pray that we'd be ones that would just give a resounding yes. Every time, every time God asks us to do something, it's like, yes, I'm in, Isaiah. Lord, send me. I'm available. I'm ready right now. I wonder if our default position is no. No, I'm not doing that. Maybe default position is, oh, let me pray about it. That is a wasted prayer. If God asks you to do something, you go and ask him. If you pray about it to him, about what he's already asked, it's, it's useless. Don't, don't, that's a silly prayer. That's the silliest of all prayers. 
If God asks you to do something, don't go back to him and say, look, this, I want to, yeah. <laughs> Not even a confirmation, but, and my pet hate today, and please apologize, please excuse me in advance if you disagree, it's okay. Don't say to Jesus, just let me process that. Is my pet peeve right now. When someone says, let me process that. I, I think if we did less processing and more doing, is our world would be in a better place right now. Not that there are times where we don't need to process. I fully understand. But don't allow processing to be your default position before you do anything in life that takes place. I have found this, that extraordinary moves of God begin with ordinary steps of obedience. Moses, lift up the rod, put your stick out in the air over the sea. And just out of that place of obedience is that God causes a east wind to blow all night and the sea parts. Wow. Imagine Moses saying, God, can you just give me understanding of how this is going to work? Yeah. Yeah. Right, I'm going to stick out my rod to stick out over here. How, how are you going to do this now? Let me get some understanding. It's impossible Impossible for this vast water to part. Like, how are you actually going to do that? Can you give me some understanding? No, 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 no. God does not have to give you and I any understanding of how he is going to work it out. I found that understanding can wait, but obedience can't. (laughs) Through one simple act of obedience, we can know more about God than a lifetime of Bible discussions. And I'm all for Bible discussions, but you and I see the true nature, the character of God every time we take a step of obedience and God does something incredible. Would you allow understanding to wait and simply say, let me respond with a great yes? Because I've found that understanding comes throughout us taking steps of obedience. As we look on the other side of it, like, oh God, I can see your hand all over that. Simply because I just outworked your place and stepped of obedience right throughout the Word of God. There are men and women who just did what God asked them to do and God does the great miracle. Moses with a stick, sea parted. Joshua, the next generational leader that comes on the scene. He's now at the Jordan River. It's a flooded season. The whole children of Israel behind him and God says, hey, Joshua, I want you to step into the water. I would have stopped right there if I was Joshua. I would like to have this conversation with God. God, I saw Moses. He just lifted up a stick. Water's parted. He walked across on dry land. Now, you're asking me to step into this flooded river. God's like, yeah, I want you to step into it. I found that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But it'll always, not always do and require the same thing of us. And we can sit down and have an argument. Well, that's not how you did it last time, God. That, you didn't... Do it like that for Moses. But you're asking me to step in the water. You're asking you to step in the water. As soon as he put his foot in that water, that Jordan River parted. He leads this great army into the, the promised land. Obedience unlocks the power of God. They come against the most fortified city in the wall, the walls of Jericho. And God gives them specific commands of what to do every day for seven days. I want you to march, march around the walls of this great city. Imagine on day four just saying, you know what, my feet are a little bit sore, God. Let's just skip today. Let's go day five. It's rest day. Would, stop, would have stopped the miracle. 
would have stopped the walls coming down. A prophet goes to a wood air's house one day. He's hungry, and she's just explained that this is their last meal they're going to eat, and then the family's going to die. Pretty desperate situation for this mum and this widow. And the prophet asks, well, if you're going to prepare a meal, why don't you bring it and give it to me first? I would just want to punch that prophet in the face right there. I'm going to prepare my last meal for me and my kids and we're going to die. And he's asking for the first part of that. Like, gosh. She comes out and she gives it to him. For the next month, she just continues to go to the, the pantry and pulls out that little bit of flour, that little bit of oil, and it never runs dry. One simple act of obedience. Another widow. Prophet comes. Said, what, what do you have in your house? Because I know the creditors are going to come and they're going to come and take your sons away. Well, what do you have? He said, I have nothing in the house. I, but oh, I do have a little, just a little jar of oil. He says, great. Sons, go, go and grab every Tupperware container across. Go to every Tupperware party in the city. Bring every container back here. She starts pouring it out. Simple act of, of obedience. And the oil flowed until every container was filled. Gideon had an army of 32,000 coming against an opposition army of 135,000. Total mismatch of numbers. 135,000 against 32,000. And God says to Gideon, too many. Goes from 20 to 32,000 to 20,000. Too many. Takes it all the way down to 300. I'm sure Gideon is like, we're dead. 300 against 135,000 people. It does not make sense. But in the morning, they're great victors, these 300. They didn't have to fight. They didn't have to lift up their any weapon at all is saw a great deliverance. Peter's fished all night. He's cleaned these nets. Jesus comes and says, I want you to launch out into the deep. Go to a different position. He says, I fished all night. You're a miracle worker. I'm a fisherman. There's no fish out there today. He said, no, launch out. Peter says this amazing word, nevertheless, at your word, I'll go and let down the net. Next moment, he's calling all his partners, come, come, my boat's sinking. There's enough fish here for everyone. I, I could spend the next hour just going through the word of God of simple acts of obedience that create this incredible power of God to move. Extraordinary moves of God begin with ordinary acts of obedience. Every one of those things, they're just ordinary things. But sometimes we can become so resistant to it. Would you and I allow obedience to have this great ripple effect in our relationship with God. And then finally, I want to look at the ripple effect. Look at this quickly. The ripple effect of our horizontal relationships, the impact that your obedience has on those that you and I come into contact with on a daily basis. The, the, the first horizontal impact is with your family. As you know, when you come across the genealogies and the Word of God, maybe you're like me, you just sort of skip over them. You've got to, you know shorter Bible reading that day because it's just, I don't have to read all those verses. It's just like, but the genealogies tell you and I something so significant that our God is a God of generations. And the impact of my obedience on a dad has a generational impact, not just on my kids or my grandkids, but on their kids and their kids and their kids. It's that our obedience has this ripple effect throughout our family. Matthew 1, bit of the genealogy, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. 
and Abraham begot Isaac, and Isaac begot Jacob, and Jacob begot Judah and his brothers, and Simon begot Boaz, uh, begat Boaz by Rahab, and Jesse begot David the king, and verse 16, and, Jesse, and Jacob begot Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who was called the Christ. As you look at this lineage, is there are failures all over the place. <laughs> Jacob, what a failure. Rahab had some stuff-ups in her life. David had some errors in his life. But there came a point in time where all of them were asked to do something and they changed. And the impact of that change, the impact of that one step of obedience changed everything. That in verse 16 is the Son of God was born on the planet is the impact that you have as a mum, as a dad, as a grandparent on your family is immense. Do not underestimate the impact of your obedience is going to have on future generations. An incredible horizontal impact. The next ripple effect of our obedience is the impact that it has upon our church community, our church family. And just considering again as I crossed over that bridge, I was heading towards the church is that the church is made up of a community of believers. And as even Paul wrote letters to churches, he, he never wrote it letters to an individual. He wrote it to the body. There were things that addressed to all of us. He never wrote a letter like, dear Mike Mulherry, no, he wrote a letter, dear City Point Redcliffe Church community. This is how I want you to do life. This is how I want you to relate to each other. This is how I want you to forgive. I found that partial obedience is disobedience, is that I don't just want to walk in a place of, you know, forgiveness for somebody else, but not use my gifts and talents in the house of God. I don't just want to do this part in the kingdom of God, but don't do that. I'll just pick and choose. And I know different seasons come and different seasons go. But your impact within this church community is vital of you stepping out to a place of obedience is vital. That in those prayer moments where God may just illuminate someone to you, why don't you just go and lay hands on, your, on that person there? Is that that simple act of obedience may create something extraordinary in that person's life. That word of encouragement, that meal that you would cook, this stepping out in a place of obedience, it changes the, the church community. Is the world will know the love that we have for him by the love we have for each other. Is the ripple effect within this community of your obedience it is incredible. And I pray you just wouldn't pick some parts you're going to be obedient to and other parts you're going to be, you know, oh, I don't have to do that right now. No. Would you just step out and do what God has actually asked you and I to do? And the final ripple effect in this horizontal relationship is that your obedience changes your next door neighbor's life, your work colleague's life. Is that when God speaks to you about them, if you say a yes, the impact it will have upon them may go generation after generation after generation. That praise report of that person just talking to someone in the store about Jesus. Wow. The impact of that moment. Wow. We don't know what the result of that's going to be. So our obedience has an incredible ripple effect this way but it also has an incredible ripple effect this way. 
is that my obedience matters, not just for me, but for everyone I come into contact with, through my family, through my church community, through the community at large. His extraordinary moves of God begin with ordinary acts of obedience. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your Thank you for listening. We pray that this message inspires you to unmistakably influence your world for good and for God. Go ahead and share it with a friend. And can I invite you to connect with us on one of our many social media platforms as well. Most importantly, if you made a decision to follow Jesus, I want to say congratulations. This is the beginning of a life-changing journey. We'd love to see you at one of our many City Point Church services around the world this Sunday. And you can find out more about our service times and locations at citypointchurch.com. We would be so thrilled to see you there.